Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 112 of the Australian Hiker podcast, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about when is it time to call it quits on a hike. Now, if you go online uh, on the internet and you type in quitting a hike into just about any search engine, you'll end up with stories and articles about quitting long distance through hikes. And for some reason, most of these stories and articles seem to relate to the Appalachian Trail in the United States. And I must admit, this did surprise me. There are a number of long-distance trail in the States, uh, but I don't know why uh, the Appalachian Trail seemed to be first and foremost uh, on the searches that were coming up. Maybe people who do the Appalachian Trail are better at writing or something. I don't know. It could, it could well be. <laughs> now, uh, as a hiking blogger who is interested in long-distance hiking, this is a topic that I do often think about and I had been thinking about in detail for, for probably over a year now. But it's not always in relation to long distance hiking, but rather hiking in general. Uh, Because in all honesty, sometimes calling it quits on a hike is just the sensible thing to do. And now we're going to go through and discuss a number of these reasons. And while a good number of them do relate uh, squarely at long distance hiking, many of them will also relate to hikes of any distance. So let's look at some of the reasons that we may pull the pin. Now, firstly, we're going to look at reasons to quit a hike uh, and specifically before uh, you actually start a hike itself. Now, quitting a hike before you start uh, should always be in the mix. And I suppose you really can't quit something you haven't started, uh, but it does sometimes make sense to uh, to not start at all. Uh, and things that may prevent you from starting a hike, uh, including risk of fire, um, and again, uh, there are a number of places in the world that do have uh, issues with bushfires. And if there are fires forecast, going out and doing a hike probably isn't a good idea unless you can be guaranteed that the area you're going to isn't going to be impacted. If you've got a pre-existing injury or illness, uh, you might be planning to go hiking next Saturday, as an example, uh, and you've uh, uh, find that uh, for whatever reason you've, you're injured or you've got, you've got an illness, and for me, I've had a, a low-level cold for the last three weeks, uh-huh. <laughs> which, which has prevented me actually getting out and doing a hike. Um, so it's, it's the sort of thing that um, sometimes yeah, you think, oh, look, I just don't want to push this. I'd rather get over whatever the problem is uh, and then get back into it later on. Yeah, I think that, that that's a really interesting one because sometimes um, – when we're doing our normal day-to-day or we're resting up at home, we probably think, you know, that sore foot or that cough that we have is probably okay. Um, But we have to remember that uh, hiking is exertion. Um, It's exercise uh, unless we've also been able to continue to go to the gym or go out 
walking um, for exercise or jogging or whatever, then if we've stopped that, we probably shouldn't be going out hiking either. And I think the other thing as well is, uh, from my perspective, I I have been genuinely unwell and just haven't actually felt like doing any exercise. Are you going to go on about that <laughs> man cold for the entire episode? <laughs> um, but I think from my perspective, we we, we just announced uh, just recently that we're, what our long-distance hike is going to be in September, uh, and that's going to be the Human Hovel Track. And um, and for me, I'm glad that I got sick now, a couple of months out, <laughs> not just as not just before I start a, a three week long hike. Um, and I think also it's it's the sort of thing that you know it's better to play it safe to get well again, so you can actually do something that you might have planned later down the track. The other thing is environmental or adverse environmental weather conditions. So um, a bit of rain doesn't particularly worry me. Um, one of the things that probably would stop me hiking is a lightning storm. <laughs> um, I'm happy to be out in the rain. A uh, bit of thunder's okay, but you know if it's a serious lightning storm, it's time to play it safe, particularly if you're in an open and exposed area. And I have actually had that where I've been hiking in the Australian Alps, being on exposed ridge lines when a thunderstorm's come through, uh, and I've had to move very quickly to get out of it. And in that situation, I was on a hike. Um, but had I been aware that that was coming through, I probably wouldn't have gone in the first place. And I think that that one in particular, um, that came across pretty quickly and um, I was watching the weather forecast while you were away and I didn't think it would be moving that fast either. So, Another reason or another problem that might cause you to pull on the pin on the hike before you've even started is gear problems. Um, and this is not just minor gear problems, but things that are fairly major, they're going to prevent you from actually getting out uh, altogether. So it might be that you own one pack uh, and the strap's broken and you physically can't carry what you need to. Uh, or you've had a blowout with your only pair of hiking shoes and you need to go and get a new pair of shoes before you can actually start. Um, so these are things that um, sometimes might be easy to fix. Uh, they sometimes might take a bit of uh, thought, a bit of... Uh, uh, thinking about, or you know, your tent might be having issues, and you need to get get a, a repair done, or uh, uh, or get a new 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 piece of gear. And the last one is probably the obvious one is insufficient preparation. So, I think it's not unusual, uh, particularly as as newer hikers. Um, you might get asked to go on a hike by friends who are experienced, and you think, look, yep, that's not a problem. If they can do it, I can do it. Um, but you know, if if they're planning on doing a twenty-kilometer hike and you've never done anything more than two kilometers, um, it may be worthwhile uh, saying, "Well, okay, I really don't think I'm actually ready for this, and I thought I might be." Uh, and if you haven't done a, a, a bit of a test hike, uh, it's time to actually go through and uh, uh, and say, "Look, it's better off if I don't go." I was talking to someone um, not so long ago and they were in that situation where their, their mates were going off on a hike and they were going to join. And uh, I thought, oh, isn't that fantastic? And then I um, discovered that this person had never, ever, ever been on a hike. Um, they were going to be doing um, a fairly tough hike. Uh, it was probably about 15 kilometres all up, but mostly it was uphill <laughs> And then it was downhill. Um, and then not only that, uh, they had something that they had to 
do um, mid-afternoon. So by the time they got there, by the time they went on the hike, and by the time uh, they got back, they were going to completely miss this really important thing in the afternoon. And um, they just hadn't thought about the logistics of what they needed, how much time, and all of those sorts of things. Okay, so there there are reasons that you know you you you'd call it quits or pull the pin on the hike before you've even started, and most of those do seem fairly obvious, but they're obvious to people that are experienced hikers. Uh, and as I said, if you're a new hiker or you're trying to encourage a, a new hiker to come along on you, uh, come along with you on a hike, um, you know, normally if that's the case, when we do that, we try and do what we class as fairly easy hikes just to see how people go. Um, trying to break people on a hike that you find quite easily and comfortable and they don't um, is just going to put them off hiking uh, long term. So, um, you know, they may not be in a situation where they can make that decision and they might need you to help uh, help them do that. So what's going to happen now on a hike? Why would you quit on a hike itself? Um, some of the risks, again, are a risk of fire. And this might be that um, you've looked at the, the, uh, the, the, the forecast. There's maybe a fire in the area. It's going in a totally different direction. You know, you, you're pretty sure it's not going to come in your way. But all of a sudden, you get out there and find out that, that the weather conditions change without notice. Uh, and you are in an area that's now going to be or may soon be impacted by fire. So that's certainly a, 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 a time that you'd want to quit. And we did talk about fires on the trail a few episodes ago. Illness or injury, uh, and this is going to depend on the severity here. Um, and let's talk about probably the simple ones to start with. Things like blisters. Uh, now, again, experienced hikers get blisters just as much as anybody else. Uh, but normally, if you're a regular hiker, uh, you've been using your gear, you're, you're familiar with what's going on, blisters tend to be less of an issue. Um, and again, it's the sort of thing that yeah, I've seen some really bad blisters from people that have tried to do too much too soon. Um, and, you know, if you've got the option, uh, it might be better off to say, look, rather than try to cripple somebody, it's time to sort of call it quits. Well, it's an interesting thing, though, because I've got blisters in the past with um, hiking shoes and boots that I've worn a lot. And uh, it just happens to be that particular day or days when it's not working and I get blisters. Um, you know, um, never been bad enough or severe enough to stop the hike, but there've been some pretty painful ones and I've had to plaster my feet up um, mid-hike. Um, so even then, you don't know that that's going to happen because it had, hadn't happened with those shoes in similar terrain in the past. I don't know. I suppose for me, I uh, when I'm doing long distance hikes, so when I'm doing multi multi week hikes or even multi day hikes, where I'm doing big distances, um, blisters are always a potential problem. Uh, usually, the first day doesn't worry me too much. It's the second day that that tends to be the issue where the blisters tend to come up, uh, and that's where I've got to go through and uh, and tape my feet. Um, I think it's the sort of thing that um, when you are coming into a hike, you want to try and give yourself as much uh, preparation time as possible. 
Um, so doing a two-kilometer walk uh, every day for two or three weeks before you're doing uh, a hike where you're doing 20 kilometers or 25 kilometers a day, you know you're going to have problems with blisters and, 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 and potentially injury if you haven't worked yourself up into that. Um, but uh, as we say, sometimes you do all the preparation in the world and things just happen or you twist and, and, and injure yourself or twist an ankle or break or potentially break an ankle. Um, and I have seen on social media just recently where people have had to be carried out because they've actually broken an ankle or broken a leg. Mm. And yeah. I think that's one of the key things about um, if you're injured and, you, and thinking about quitting a hike because – um, if it's severe enough, you will have to be evacuated. Um, uh, but sometimes the only alternative is to walk out and then you have to decide, are you closer to the beginning or closer to the end? So which direction are you going to go? Um, but if you're with a group of people who, you know, want to continue on, um, you know, that, that uh, starts to create some challenges um, for you and uh, for them about what you're going to do because you don't want to ruin their time. One of the um, uh, the older schools of thought, if you like, is uh, in, when it talks about the minimum number of people that should be on a hike. Um, and the recommendation, at least in the past, has been four people. And the idea being that a person gets injured um, and they're, they're injured too badly enough that they can't actually get themselves out. Um, and you know you may not be able to. You may not have a, a device that's able to call someone in, uh, or or a locate, locator beacon that can get a, a helicopter or an ambulance in there. Um, so the idea being that you leave a person to, with the injured person, and then two people would walk out uh, and to go and get help. The idea being that nobody is left alone. These days, solo hiking has become a lot more prevalent. Um, it's, it is a higher risk activity and there is more planning and more safety considerations uh, and it certainly can be done safely. Um, so it may be that you are by yourself uh, and then you've got to actually plan, do a lot more planning about how you're going to work that situation. It may be that you're a group of, uh, of three or even two uh, and somehow you know, you've either got to help the injured party get out or you've got to set off a, a locator beacon to get a, a, get emergency help in if that's the, re the requirement. Um, the things to think about here is, um, as Jill said, you know, if, is, is it easier or quicker to walk out than it is to, to turn around and go back the way you've came? So it might mean you end up finishing the hike because that's the easier option. Um, if you're unwell, what's the impact going to have on other people? Uh, now, I think in this sort of situation here, it's no good guilting people to say, look, yeah, you, you might be not feeling well, but we've, we've been trying to do this hike for ages and you just need to tough it out. Um, you know, it's sometimes, you know, if, you, if it's a, something fairly minor, yeah, you might say, look, yes, it is, it is easy to continue on and finish that way. It may be that, you know, you end up causing a problem that's worse than what you started with, uh, and that's going to make everybody's day worse than if you had it stopped and, and, and actually called it quits earlier on. Um, other adverse environmental weather conditions. So, as I said, I'm happy to hike in the rain, but if it's torrential rain, 
uh, and you know, you're on a one-day hike and it's torrential and you think, look, I'm better off just coming back and doing this next week or tomorrow or a couple of weeks' time. Um, now, an example here is from my Bibbleman track hike last year. Um, the week before I actually went on the hike, they were getting gale force winds and heavy rains uh, and the beaches were being destroyed in some of the worst weather conditions that had in the wintertime for a long time. Uh, and I was keeping an eye on this and thinking, okay, look, yep, we're still fine. It is going to be wet, but I'm, I, I can cope with that. And one of the comments that Jill made to me before the hike was, um, look, if you want to quit, you know, don't feel that you have to keep on going through and doing the hike. Um, and, and, and I must admit, it's, you know, I was doing a solo hike. And you just said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah whatever. Um, uh, and I think, um, you know, it's certainly from my perspective, I, um, I didn't in that situation um, worry about the rain. Uh, yes, I got wet. Um, but it was actually okay. I, I, I was prepared for that. Well, I think I think the glow, the glow of having completed, has probably um, diminished <laughs> the reality of day one or two um, of the hike, um, because you you have to remember that you did delay the start. Like the weather was so bad. Uh, there was a photo. I think you were in a bus shelter or something like that, and it was just absolutely pouring and i i was thinking you know i think tim will be home in a couple of days <laughs> because it was so bad not because not because of you but i just couldn't contemplate that um the uh the weather would let up or the trail would withstand the the weather pounding that it was getting um the other things that could also knock you around as well, uh, wind. Uh, and again, certainly on that hike, on that first day, I had 100 kilometre hour wind gusts. Uh, you know, and I had one instance there that if I hadn't have been holding onto a railing, I would have physically been blown over. Um, but again, that was just a, a short term thing. It's just something you put up with. And I had the right equipment. Um, you know, had I have not been prepared and had incorrect equipment, might have been a different situation. Um, Unexpected snow is another one, and this is probably the example of a hike that we did cut short and quit, uh, which was from last winter. Um, and this is when we high, we did our first summit attempt of Mount Gingera um, uh, on the ACT border, and this is in the in the 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 highlands of the ACT where snow is a a good a possibility in in the cooler parts of the year. And we started the first part of the hike in, you know, it was cool. There was no doubt about that. Um, but we had just standard ground, nothing out, nothing out of the ordinary. And as we went up the hill, we started to pick up snow. Um, and by the time we reached the top of the hill, which was within a couple of kilometres, um, we had sort of 60 centimetres of snow. And it was soft snow as well. I don't mind when the snow's hard and packed, but when you're sinking up to mid-calf level, um, it becomes a bit annoying. Uh, and we we hadn't actually planned for that. Well, um, we went when we went beyond Pryor's Hut, but uh, in the end, had to turn out turn around because there wasn't really any way we were going to make it up to uh, the summit of Ginger. It was just too hard, too deep, and. Uh, I was just getting too tired and and we had to turn around and go back the same way. So it wasn't as if we had an easy run back. 
Now, we have done it a number of times since, and I've done it, and again, I don't have an issue with hiking in the snow, but we just weren't prepared for it in that sort of situation. And as Jill said, but if we had kept on going and uh, we would have ended up coming back to the car about six o'clock at night uh, and it would have been pitch black and we didn't have headlights. Well, the interesting thing about that, I mean, we were hiking, but there are a bunch of people who were um, walking in um, essentially running shoes and, um, you know, tights and light, light shirts uh, not carrying very much food and certainly not carrying much water. So, you know, that that was the other weird thing about the whole thing. So, you know, we were probably more prepared than most. So, and then the other, other sort of weather conditions that fall into that extreme category. One other thing, I suppose, or one other thing, reason for quitting the trail, and this is probably something that, you know, it, it, most people probably think is more long distance related, is when you don't care for what you're doing. I mean, you, you're there, you're, you're pressing on just for the sake of it, uh, and you're really not enjoying yourself. Um, I mean, there's got to be some valid reason, and it might be just to say, yes, I've done this, and it's hard, and it's tough, and I'm not enjoying it, but I want to do it. Or, yes, I want to reach this summit, and I'm really enjoying it, and I like the views from the summit. Um, but if you're if you're not happy or there's no reason for you to be there and it might be better off to turn around, as, as I said, do it tomorrow or do it next week, um, you know, just get just stop and just turn around. Um, you know, it's better off um, calling it quits than just going through the motions just for the sake of it. And I think if you go through the motions and you're not really interested and you're with others, you're potentially putting them in danger too. Um, because you're not paying attention to what you're doing. Running out of money. Now, again, this tends to be more a long-distance, <laughs> multi-weeks or multi-month sort of hike situation. If you're going for a day hike, running out of money is probably not really a, really a consideration. But if you're doing a two, three, four, five-week hike and you're buying food as you go and you're staying in accommodation and you've miscalculated uh, and you've got no other way of, uh, of getting funds, that can be an issue. Uh, but this is uh, this like like everything else we're talking about to a great extent tends to be more a planning based decision. Um, your pack's too heavy, and again, this tends to be more a newer hiker issue, but not always. New hikers, and we've talked about this in the past about packing your fears. Uh, people tend to carry too much because they're afraid they'll be cold, they're afraid they'll be wet, that they won't have enough to eat. Um, so, you know, if you're really struggling under the weight of a, a very heavy pack, and I've seen people who are much smaller and physically lighter than I am carrying 35 kilo packs, that is a very heavy pack. It really is. Uh, and this was for a hike uh, that I was carrying um, uh, probably 16 kilos. Uh, and even that was a bit generous because I had a couple of different shelters that I was testing out. So it's the sort of thing, uh, pack what you need for a hike, don't overpack, um, but yeah, you've, you've got to be comfortable with what you're carrying. Oh, I didn't think about it until recently when I was talking to someone and, and um, they were actually getting um, the kilos and the litres confused. So, um, you know, a pack might be 48 litres or something like that. And they translated that into kilos, 
and <laughs> and I, ha- I had a little bit of a heart attack when I thought you can't possibly carry that that amount of um, uh, weight, and and I think you know and really what what they were doing was saying you know a liter of water is about a kilo. So you know, <laughs> I must be putting forty kilos in my in my pack. Um, so it was a really funny one. So you know, I think again, a new newish hiker um, or new to longer distance hiking, um, and e- easy mistake, uh, but certainly one that you need to be mindful of and and rectify as soon as you 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 think you're heading down that direction. Equipment issues again on a hike uh, as opposed to before a hike. Uh, it might be that you're getting wet, uh, you're getting cold, or you've got some sort of gear failure. So again, your your shoes falling apart, uh, and you can't go hiking without shoes, particularly in the cooler parts of the year. Um, although some people do hike in bare feet, but it, it, it's it's really a rarity and and not always an option. Yeah. So your tent might not be waterproof. Um, your rain gear might not be waterproof. After a couple of days of that, you'll soon start to lose interest in what you're doing. It could be that the hike is too hard. And again, this is because you haven't really thought about what you're doing. You're thinking, oh, yeah, that's okay. I can, I can, I can hike to this destination. 20 kilometres doesn't sound too much. But if you haven't actually done 20 kilometres before, um, you know, the, the furthest you've hiked might be two or three, and all of a sudden you're trying to do 20 kilometres. If you haven't prepared for it and trained for it, you may not be able to do it. So it might be a matter of saying, look, I just wasn't aware of this. We've got a couple of hikes that we've done in the Canberra region, um, and some of them are, no, they're not overly long, but they are very, very physically difficult. Uh, And if you think, yep, I've done a 10-kilometre hike before, this shouldn't be any different, Um, there are some hikes for whatever reason, the steepness, um, the, 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 the the poor footing on the terrain, the exposure, that just means that um, you know, a 10-kilometre hike is not the same as another 10-kilometre hike. Yeah, that's um, right. You, know, you need to look at all the conditions that are involved. And sometimes, I mean, those particular ones that we're talking about, they were only um, day hikes, but sometimes you don't know that until you get started. Unreasonable expectations as well. So if you think that, okay, I need five hours to complete this hike, and all of a sudden you're halfway through the hike, uh, which means it's going to potentially take you two and a half hours by this point, and you've been going for four hours, and you still haven't actually got to the summit or got to where you're going to, and then you've got to turn around um, uh, because you've miscalculated, because the terrain's harder than you thought it was, um, it might be might be time to say, look, um, I know I'm not going to make this. I need to turn around now and head back. And that was the decision we made when we did the uh, that Mount Gingera hike with the snow. Um, the snow conditions just made it a much slower hike than we were planning for. Had we have been aware of the time uh, that we would have had known about the snow, we would have started about an hour or so earlier, which would have made things much easier, and we would have had a much much better chance of success. Yeah, and I think I think I started to uh, pick up some of these other reasons for not continuing on with the hike, including I was particularly losing interest, and uh, we stopped uh, on the way back. We stopped for lunch, and uh, Tim went over to. Um, a ledge and uh, said, you know, come over here, it's really lovely and, you know, there's a great view. And uh, my perspective at that minute was 
I was not going to take another step beyond what I really, really, really needed to. And if I'd gone over to where he was, I would have to have come back. Um, so I sat on a rock and I waited and said no. <laughs> now, from a point of view of quitting hikes, I mean, part of it, um, it we, part of what we've discussed has been uh, very much physically based, but we've also talked about mental considerations. So if you're not into the hike, if you're not enjoying it, um, these are the things that um, um, you know can all impact on your enjoyment of why you're there. Um, we had a situation when we did the Kangaroo Island Wilderness Trail um, in late 2017, early 2018, um, and we'd met a solo hiker who wasn't too uh, happy at the end of the first day. Um, and again, it was fairly hot and she wasn't carrying much water. Um, but she ended up getting a lift to the second hut uh, and then calling it quits after that. Um, now, whether it was a, a stomach bug or dehydration, we don't really know. Uh, but in that situation, she wasn't happy and she decided to call it quits. And that was the right decision in that sort of, that sort of case, rather yeah. than pushing on uh, and potentially getting into a fairly serious situation without knowing what the real issue is. Mm. She, she had flown from Queensland, uh, from memory, um, and was really keen to do this hike. Um, and so that, you know, that was playing on her mind and uh, had to, you know, she couldn't just go home because she had to wait for um, connecting flights and all of those sorts of things. Um, but all of that aside, in the end, she was just not well enough to do it. Okay, so as a final thought, I suppose, I'm a strong believer in planning for any hike. And with a lot of what we've been talking about uh, in this episode, it is planning based. Um, and so when you are planning for a hike, and it doesn't matter what the distance is, one of the things you need to consider and need to talk about with your hiking partner is when is it going to be time to call it quits? It doesn't want to be a discussion you have on the trail uh, that turns into an argument because, you know, we've just taken this time off and we're going to complete this hike whether whether you want to or not. It should be, look, if if we really get to this point and, or if we, we haven't reached the halfway point by a certain time, we'll turn around. That way everybody has a clear picture in your mind about what that may be. Now, you can't plan for every circumstance, uh, but certainly, uh, you know, you can say, well, look, if uh, if we're injured, this is what the, the process will be. Uh, if we get sick, this is what we'll go through and do. Uh, we'll either turn around and go back or we'll go forward, depending on what the best option is. Uh, but have those discussions beforehand. Um, and certainly that's it. That's if you haven't even decided to call it quits and say, look, it's just too hot. Um, you know, we're not going to enjoy this. Let's do it when it's a bit cooler. Yeah, look, I think that's a really important thing because um, sometimes just having that conversation before you go um, sets the scene a little bit. So if you've raised the issue before you go hiking, um, you then have an opportunity to um, talk about something that may or may not happen um, but when you're on the hike and you do want to have a conversation about how you're feeling or, you know, your, your foot's really sore or, you know, your gear's uh, not up to what you need, it gives you an opportunity to raise it uh, more easily 
um, and to talk it through and potentially find some solutions. So the result may not be that you quit the hike, but it's important that you've had an opportunity to talk some things through. So ultimately what it comes down to in the end, it, you know, it, with the saying, hike your own hike, um, really you or you and your partner both have to be enjoying what you're doing. You both have to be safe in the process. Um, so having those conversations beforehand make it much easier. Okay, so that's all for this week's episode. Just as a a bit of last-minute use, we did actually send out an email uh, to our subscribers in the middle of uh, last month uh, just advising a couple of things. But one of those is we've actually changed our podcast hosting service. Uh, We're now hosted with uh, Podbean. Uh, and that's more from a behind-the-scenes perspective. So really, as I said, uh, it, from our perspective, it really was a, a, a more an issue of um, how we deal with the podcast and where we're heading uh, long-term that we decided to change podcast hosts. But for you as listeners, this shouldn't make any difference. If you listen on, on uh, iTunes, which is now Apple Podcasts, if you listen on uh, any of the other podcatchers, um, really you can, you you'll be able to continue doing what you're doing. Um, and if you listen on Podbean, we've always been available on Podbean, but now we actually are hosted on there as well. Um, so really, um, you shouldn't notice anything uh, from your perspective as listeners. Uh, and hopefully, the, the, we we get through the changeover process uh, without too many glitches occurring so yeah but certainly tell us or let us know if uh, something's not quite right from your end now in this month of july we're actually going to be releasing five podcast episodes we have a fairly fairly busy month this month with a podcast being released every week um so next week is um a slightly out of order here we're doing uh, our second of our regular episodes we've shuffled the order a bit Uh, And the topic for next week's episode is sleeping mats. Uh, We've talked about sleep systems generically in the past, uh, early on. uh, But next week's episode is going to be purely on sleeping mats. uh, And we've done a number of reviews, which we'll be posting uh, on different sleeping mats over the next week or so as well. So we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, And as always, you can listen to this and our other podcasts through the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au, through Podbean, through SoundCloud, through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and any other uh, myriad of podcatchers that are on the market that all all, uh, have Australian Hiker podcasts ready to listen. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.